congregation. The text for this afternoon's sermon is found in the passage we read from, and our focus will be on the verses 5 through 8, and let us read those verses again. There we read, For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so far the texts, and after the proclamation of God's word, let us respond in song, let us sing from Psalm 92, the stanzas 2, 3, 6, and 7. Beloved congregation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, is your and my faith being fully furnished? Is our faith being rounded out? Is our faith being filled out with fruits? Are we making every effort to add to our faith all those fruits mentioned here in our text of this afternoon? Or are we faltering in our faith and even falling away? Is our faith fading away and the fruits far and, and few? As these are fair questions to ask each and every one of us, and not just the younger among us, but also the older ones. For really, what kind of example of faith do we as an older generation, as adults, as parents, as grandparents, sent for the next generation, for our children, our teenagers, our young adults? Do we show a fruitful, a furnished faith? It's very easy to say that we have faith in Jesus Christ, but, but is our faith bearing much fruit? Is there a real growth in our faith? Is it being fully furnished? As it says in the scriptures in, in the gospel of Matthew, it is by their fruits and you will recognize them. Now to have our faith fade away can happen very quickly. We live in a world where our faith comes under constant assault. There are those so many withering attacks from the devil, the world and our own sinful flesh and our faith in Jesus Christ. Really, how do we keep our faith strong how do we fully furnish it? And so, beloved, let us pay attention to the call of our Lord God as we find it in our text of this afternoon. And God's word then comes to us this afternoon, summarized under this theme. The Lord calls us to fully furnish our faith with fruit. And we'll pay attention to three things. First, the fantastic promises. Second, the filled out faith. And third, the fruitful results. I repeat, the Lord calls us to fully furnish our faith with fruit. Look at the fantastic promises, the filled out faith, and the fruitful results. As beloved, this afternoon we turn our attention to the second letter of the Apostle Peter. As the authorship of this letter is very clear, you can read it there in the first verse of this letter, the author defines himself as Simon Peter, a servant, an apostle of Jesus Christ. And even though the style of this letter is a bit different from his first letter, there's no reason to doubt then that this same apostle wrote the second letter. 
And yes, the Apostle Peter wrote this letter towards the end of his life. And he wrote this letter like his first one to, to God's elect, to the believers scattered, as you can read in, in the first letter, scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. And yes, he wrote this letter to instruct God's people on how to deal with the false teachers, the evildoers who had come among them. Yes, just as there were false teachers in the Old Testament church, so there were also the false teachers coming in the New Testament church. And what these teachers were doing was secretly bringing into the church destructive heresies. These were men who, yes, who, who twisted the truth of scriptures. And they did all this to, yes, justify their loose living, their immoral living. Yes, as the Apostle Peter tells us later on in this letter, these teachers were defiled by the world and its passions. For yes, these were the false teachers then who also scoffed at, at God's promise that the Lord Jesus Christ would come back very soon. Yes, they were the ones who mockingly asked, where is his coming? They simply did not take God's word of promise seriously. And so they did not live in view of eternity. They lived for the moment like so many do today. They lived in a wicked and immoral ways. They lived in this way not thinking that one day, yes, one day they would have to give account before Jesus Christ, the judge of all. We would, probably, we would probably today have a hard time telling if they were Christians from the way they lived. Now what they said and what they did had a, had a bad effect on, on the faithful believers in these regions. Indeed, many believers were not faring very well against these false teachers among them. They were being discouraged from living in faithfulness to God's commands and living in holy and blameless lives. They were weakening in their faith. And so to encourage them and also us here today, the Lord God inspired the Apostle Peter to write this short but very powerful letter. For the believers then and also now need to be encouraged to make that effort to be found spotless and blameless and at peace with the Lord on the day of his return. For yes, the Lord Jesus Christ will return. So God tells us in his words. And we need to be ready for that return. And that is why there is also in this letter then a warning. That we not be carried away by the error of lawless men. That we lose our own stability. Indeed, the faith of the believers back then was under attack. Their faith was losing strength. They were becoming unstable in their faith. They were, as verse 10 indicates, in the process of falling down. Their faith was losing its effectiveness. Their faith was not so fruitful. Yes, the wickedness, the worldliness promoted by false teaching was, was affecting their faith. And their faith became weak and, and barren. They seemed to have forgotten. As the Apostle Peter writes there in verse 9, that they were cleansed from their old sins. They're starting to live more and more like they used to live, 
like the pagans, like the world around them. And yes, the false teachers were encouraging them to do this. Sure, they were called the faithful ones. But really, where was the fruit of faith in Jesus Christ? Where is the sanctification that must come from such a faith? Now, the faith was not filling out. It was not furnishing at all. These believers were becoming, you could say, flabby in their faith, slack in their faith. They failed to realize that faith is like a muscle which needs to be worked, which needs continual strengthening, which needs to be added to, as we can read in the first verse of our texts. Indeed, our faith needs to be furnished. It needs to be filled out. It needs to be rounded out with with the things mentioned here, with goodness and knowledge and self-control and perseverance and godliness and and brotherly kindness and love. It's to remain spiritually vigorous and healthy. Our faith needs to be producing all these fruits. And yes, this requires effort. It requires the effort of believers then and also us now. Really, our faith, if it's not added to, will become, yes, shallow, become weak. And yet we know how this so often goes. When it comes to our faith, we don't seem to put the same effort into building it up and furnishing it as we do, say, into our daily work or into our business or sports and entertainment. Have you ever noticed how we can suddenly become so tired and sleepy and even not feel so well when it comes to things like praying and reading the Bible and going to Bible study and even to church. We often just convince ourselves that that it's something physical and that we really cannot help ourselves. Indeed, when we seek to apply ourselves to building our faith, to furnishing our faith, we, we quickly put things off. We procrastinate. We have other things to do that are much more exciting For example, we plan after supper to sing God's praise with the kids, read the Bible together with them and talk about it. But then the kids are cranky and we've had a busy day and and so we take a pass on it. And yes, we plan to go twice to church. But then we think, well, I had such a busy week. We have a bit of a headache and yes, someone needs to stay home and babysit the nine-year-old. And so we don't go to church to be built up in faith. Instead, we stay home, we we surf the nets, want a bit, a bit of soccer on TV, and suits us fine. And then we think we're better off, put it off till then. When we feel better, we have more time. But when the time comes, or when the, the feeling comes, if it ever comes, it still often doesn't happen. Really, what is lacking with us is the effort, the perseverance, the, the discipline of faith. There's so many temptations, so many lustful desires to draw us away from from the Lord Jesus Christ, from furnishing our faith in him. We would overindulge ourselves for hours on Facebook or or playing games on the computer. We can fret away many evenings watching our favorite TV programs. and, And we just don't get around to personal prayer, to Bible reading at the end of the day, let alone going to Bible study or visiting someone who could use our support, our encouragement Really, where are we? And that's where the words of our text speak to us. 
We need to make every effort, yes, every effort to add to our faith, to furnish our faith, to exercise and fill out our faith in good works and in holy works. And so let us heed the command of our Lord, make every effort to add to our faith. But how can we make every effort considering that we are sinful, that we are weak? Is considering we are so weak that we can't even stand on our own for a moment. Well, as our text says, for this reason, for this reason, make every effort to add to your faith. Yes, for this reason, for reason of God's great and precious promises, for reason of God's fantastic promises. Yes, we must, in making every effort, depend on God's promises. God's promise of grace, God's promise of the Spirit, God's promise of his divine power. Really, we must believe in God's promise. Yes, we must completely depend on his promise of divine power to work in us. For it's only, only by God's power that we can truly add to our faith. It's only by the power of the Spirit. We are giving everything we need for life and for godliness. Yes, this is what we read in the verses before our texts. Is as the Apostle Peter wrote there in verse 3, his divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. And yes, God grants us everything. He grants us every blessing we need to enjoy life in his service. And this comes, yes, to our knowledge of him. Indeed, God gives us his promised gifts when we come to know him and his son, Jesus Christ, more and more. Yes, we're talking here in knowledge, the knowledge of faith. Through faith in Jesus Christ, our covenant mediator, we receive, yes, these wonderful promises. Yes, through him we receive salvation. We receive his goodness and glory. Yes, through faith in his Son, we receive all what God the Father has promised to us. And so God has and is fulfilling his great and precious promises, his superb promises, his fantastic promises to us. Yes, God has promised us his divine power. It's with his power that we can make every effort to add to our faith, to to furnish our faith. Yes, it's only with the power of God's spirit that we can make every effort, that we can be diligent, we can be zealous, we can be disciplined to do the things which produce, yes, the fruit of faith. And yes, by faith in his promises, then we are indeed partners with God. That is what it literally says there in verse 4. And then this way we escape the corruption of this world caused by evil desires. Yes, we're partners with God. As in God's covenant, we are we're partners with him. We are, as believers, in the words of, of 1 Corinthians 3, verse 9, God's fellow workers. Really, we have work to do. We have to make every effort to add to our faith. We can only do that in that covenant relationship with God, being partners with God. Yes, we have work to do. And as our sovereign good powerfully works in us, we're able to work and to work out our own salvation. Yes, thanks to his spirit, we can do good works. We can produce the fruits of faith. 
And so we can have a filled out faith. And that brings us to our second point. Yes, the Apostle Peter tells us what to add to our faith. As he says here, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance. And the list goes on. We get a list of seven things. They, yes, need to be added to our faith. They're needed to furnish our faith. And so in this way, produce a well-rounded, fruitful Christian life for each and every one of us. And thankfully, we have God's promises, the promise of his divine power to make this production possible. As we exercise our faith, we will lead, yes, spiritually productive lives, very effective lives in his service. You notice we must start with faith. I'm talking here about faith in Jesus Christ. I'm talking about relying on him, trusting in him, depending on him. As this is the basis for our spiritual life, our life of sanctification, a life of holiness. As you can say, faith is at the root of, of all these other virtues or fruit that the Apostle Peter mentions here. In fact, we can be adding all these things mentioned in this list only if there is faith in Jesus Christ. Really, we need to be completely rooted in him in true faith. And then, yes, we add to our faith, as it says here, goodness. Goodness, or, or another way of saying it, excellence. That's actually an attribute of our Lord and Savior. He was filled with goodness, with excellence. And we believe in Jesus Christ, do we not? And so we should seek the same virtue, excellence, goodness. Now, what is excellence or goodness? It's, it's the proper fulfillment of anything. For example, in everyday life, and the excellence of a knife is, is to cut. Excellence of a horse is to run. So what's the excellence, the goodness of mankind? Well, that we reflect the excellent character of Jesus Christ, the attractive character of Jesus Christ. For yes, he was the man par excellence. True human excellence was there in Jesus Christ, and we are to be like him. We're to be truly Christ-like. It's only possible when we follow him in faith. And so we are as disciples to be like our master, Jesus Christ. And this is to be happening more and more each and every day again. Yes, we are to more and more reflect Jesus Christ in our everyday lives. And now to excellence, our goodness, we're also told to add knowledge. Now, as we all know, part of faith is knowledge. We all know that from the catechism. The question is asked, what is true faith? And then it says, true faith is a sure knowledge. And so we need to be adding to our faith, yes, more knowledge. Faith is strengthened through knowledge. And so do we seek to add knowledge? Do we grow each day in the knowledge of God? And how to live a, a godly life? Yes, do we grow in, in knowledge and discernment that we need to live a holy and pure life and in that way escape the corruption of this world caused by evil desires? You have this knowledge, this true knowledge, you're able to distinguish, yes, right from wrong, good from bad. 
And we need to be, yes, then all growing in this knowledge, regardless of age, is whether we're 20 or 40 or 60 years old, we're never done with adding knowledge. That's why we keep coming here for worshiping, come here for hearing the preaching and the teaching of God's word. This is why we need to keep reading our Bibles at home and, and at school and, and in study groups. And this is why we're also reading good, solid books and magazines. This is why we will make a point of, of going to study society in September again. With this added knowledge, then we'll, we'll not be so quickly pulled away by the false teaching that is also all around us. And there's more. And so knowledge, as it says, there's added self-control. Self-control. This was a, a fruit of virtue completely lacking with the false teachers of Peter's day. And this is what is lacking in the world in which we live today. So we see so many giving into their sinful lusts and desires and passions. And as believers, we face the same temptation to do the same. To give, just give in to whatever sinful lust or passion which may well up within us. And how many are then, yes, in the control or in the enslavement of their sinful lusts and passions? How many are enslaved to, to food, to booze, to drugs, to porn, to Facebook, to internet, to work, to whatever? How many have no control over these things in their everyday lives. And beloved, with the promise of the Spirit, we, we can exercise self-control. Self-control. Self-control in, in how we talk to each other. Self-control in how we eat and drink. Self-control in how we use the internet and Facebook. Self-control in how we work and how much we work, how much we sleep. As in this way, we we are to escape the corruption of the world caused by, by evil desires. And so we ought to maintain self-control. And that is only possible with reliance on God's spirit, dependence on divine power. And yet, as we all know, there will be failure. There will be times when we lack in self-control. When we will think of just throwing in the towel and, and indulging our sinful lusts and desires. And that's why the Apostle Peter also writes that perseverance, steadfastness be added to, to self-control. Although we have those moments, maybe many of those moments, when we don't feel like showing self-control as everything is against us, we're told here we must keep on trucking. We must persevere. We must patiently endure. No matter what the world throws at us and what our sinful desires urge us on to do, we must remain steadfast. We need to persevere even when everything and everyone around us seems to go against us. We persevere. We're not so quick to give up. When there are the trials and troubles of this life, oh, the world would have us quickly give up on God and throw our faith away and, and join the world. But as maturing Christians, as growing Christians, we don't give up. 
Rather, we resist, we go forward in faith. We're determined to, to reach the goal of eternal blessedness with God as we persevere. We don't do this in our own strength. We only do this by divine strength, by divine help. And then, yes, we need to add also to perseverance, godliness. Godliness. We practice, beloved, godliness when we're fully conscious of God's presence in every circumstance of our life. So we must be fully aware that we live each moment, each day in God's presence. So when we pray to God, then we do this, we do this with reverence. And when we speak with each other or with our children, God should be spoken about in being very much a part of our everyday life. And we should also act then as if he is very much a part of our everyday life. As we live, we walk before our Lord God. We do this in full awareness. And yes, to godliness, the Apostle Peter says, we're to add brotherly kindness. In fact, godliness cannot exist without brotherly kindness. If anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother or sister, and we read in scripture, he's a liar. Indeed, then there is to be brotherly kindness or love among us. In the communion of saints, then we are indeed brothers and sisters in the faith. And as brothers and sisters, then we are to love each other or to be kind to each other. Instead of being absorbed with ourselves, we are to have a love for each other. And we are to love each other regardless of our looks or our money or our background, our job, our choice. We truly love each other and are kind to each other. And there will be no place or gossip or slander among us as brothers and sisters. Indeed, we need to have that warm-hearted affection towards all here in the family of faith. And yes, to brotherly kindness, we must add also love. Love that selfless attitude towards one another, that willingness to sacrifice for the good of one another, even the good of our enemies. Indeed, we must abound in love for everyone around us, even our enemies. And this love, this love flows from God, who is himself love. And what love he showed us in giving us his son, yes, his son showed what love was. He sacrificed himself for us, for our good, for our salvation. And that's what he wants us to do, yes, to love, to truly abound in sacrificial love for those around us. Really, beloved people will never believe that God is love unless they see it in our lives as those who believe in God. Now, such, beloved, is the fruit of faith, the fruit of the Spirit at work in us, and so his divine power has given us everything we need then for life, for godliness. And so it begins with faith and ends with love. You can say this is the indispensable roots and fruits of Christian living. And what a fruitful results there are. And that brings us to our last point. What is the result of adding all these qualities, all these virtues, all these fruits to your faith? What is the result of fully furnishing your faith in this way? Well, as the Apostle Peter concludes, 
For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Beloved, let's wake up. Wake up to what the Lord God is saying here. If we fail to exercise our faith, to furnish our faith with these seven qualities just mentioned, we will leave our faith ineffective, we'll leave it unproductive, and faith without production, without effect, without works, without fruit, is dead. So we need to add these fruits, these qualities. We need to make them very much a part of our everyday life, of who we are. We are to abound in these things, in, in goodness, in knowledge, in self-control, perseverance, and so forth. These fruits, these things, these qualities need to overflow in our lives so that everyone can see them. There be no doubt as to who we are. Yes, we are those who are, are self-controlled, with knowledge, of love, brotherly kindness, and so forth. And in this way, yes, our faith is to grow, it is to develop, our faith is to mature and fill out. And we need to see then, yes, these seven fruits showing themselves increasing measure in our everyday lives. And so you see then there's no place for us to think that we've arrived. We no longer have to make such efforts. And so I ask, are we still busy furnishing our faith? Or do we think, well, I'm older, I can stop? No, we can't stop furnishing our faith whether we're 15 or 35 or 75 years old. Oh, yes, the, the older ones among us often say to the younger ones, to the children, the teenagers among us, oh, you need to grow more in faith. You need to fill out your faith. But what about us as young adults, as parents, as grandparents? Are we also rounding out our faith fully? furnishing our faith just as our children, our teenagers are also to do? What kind of example do we give to the next generation when it comes to adding to our faith? Are we as the older generation becoming increasing ineffective in our faith? Beloved, let us not be the reason for the younger ones to despise the faith, to abandon the faith. And so let us become increasingly effective and productive in our faith, in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For yes, true knowledge of Jesus Christ produced all these qualities, all these virtues in us as believers. But to show these fruits, these qualities, increasing measure. And when there is no such growth, when we see the opposite, it isn't good. Then we're like, we're like wheat, choked out by weeds, choked out by the cares, the pleasures of this life. And we're weep that produces no fruit. And faith without fruit is dead. So we need to cultivate these, these virtues, these fruits. We're to see them grow, to see them develop. And in this way, we're not ineffective or unproductive in our, in our lives of faith. And also in this way then too, beloved, we come to know Jesus Christ more and more. As, as the Apostle Peter concluded at the end of this short letter, but let us grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, let us come to know, not just with our head, but also with our hearts. Yes, know Jesus Christ. Know him more and more. Know him in a deep and intimate way. And let us, in this way, yes, be drawn into 
ever greater love for him, ever greater communion with him, till one day we will have, yes, a full and perfect knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Indeed, full knowledge of him belongs to the future, when we will see him, yes, face to face. Now, through our increasing knowledge of him, Christ has given us everything necessary for godliness, for life. Indeed, this knowledge comes from him. And so let us embrace our Savior in true and living faith, and let us then fully furnish our faith. And we can do this relying on God's fantastic promises. Yes, we have everything we need in Jesus Christ fully furnish our faith. We have his grace, we have his spirit, we have his power, we have his love. And so there will indeed be richly provided for us an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.